What's up? <laughs> All right, we're <laughs> we're back, and it's been a long time coming. I think. Well, we're backer. We're blacker. I'm blacker. I don't know about I'm, you. I'm, I'm in a black tee. I don't know if anyone watching this has ever seen me before. Yeah, but I haven't went over your house and tried your chicken yet. That's true. I gotta see how much seasoning you're putting on your shit before. Actually, we... the seasoning has improved. Like, like, you know, married life. Lizzie knows how to season stuff. Oh, thank goodness! Bless yeah. her heart. She's yeah, saving, she's, taught, she's saving she's, you. She's taught me a couple things. Yeah, you can stop eating bachelor meals now. <laughs> um, bird food, as you used to call bird, it. Yes, bird food. Bird bites. <laughs> I'm like, you can you eat a whole like full meal? Like it needs to be more than two courses and it needs to take longer than six minutes to pre- prepare. To be fair, I mean that's like Trader Joe's bags. They say it's like a three they say it's like a three portion meal, even though it's like three hundred calories. No. No, no, you gotta upgrade. You gotta be going to three six five now. You can't be doing uh Trader Joe's as a married couple. But you probably are. But yeah, it's been a long time. And we've had so many attempts to try to come back, um, but it was just hard because we were going through some interesting life changes. Not interesting, I guess just big life changes. Like one was the move was big. Mm-hmm. We used to live together. So yeah. like obviously making this a podcast together was easy because you were like two rooms down. Yeah. And then you got married and yep. you moved out. That was a long time ago. That was like two years ago. And we recorded through that, but then, you know, just life just kept getting in the way. I mean, like yeah. job transitions, all sorts of stuff. Job transitions. I kept hopping around different jobs. Now I landed a job that I think I like. No, I do like it. I like it a lot. Are you going to say uh, what it is? I feel like I should be vague. No, it's why okay. am I being vague? It's obviously it's everywhere. I work for BuzzFeed. I write for BuzzFeed. Um, uh, yeah, and I love it. But, yeah, there was those job transitions. And then a big one for me, too, was my dog dying in November of 2021. Yeah. That, ooh. That, that tore me rough. up. It, like, this is, this is heavy. And this is kind of heavy in relation to you. But mm-hmm. that was a moment where I learned, I, like, had a, re- a crazy epiphany and learned, like, how I have to just, like, fend for myself a little bit. Because I'll never forget the night that she was in the hospital and I was just trying to contact everybody. I was trying to contact you and y'all wasn't able to pick up. And my mom and dad were kind of just like, we're in Nevada and like, we can only do so much. Like, dogs die. Like, you know, they were being very frank and they were trying to be consoling, but it's just, there was no one there to console me. I was just like, I am literally consoling myself. I was like, okay, this is how it's going to be. So like that, that really affected me a lot. And then that made it hard to kind of just be like, I'm going to try to balance this dream career I'm going to try to balance this grief on top of grief I already had before Bowie passed away. Right. And it was just like, I can't do the podcast because like as frequent as I wanted to, because like, how am I going to talk about black trauma, uh, political bullshit, you know, like Ron DeSantis like we're going to talk about later and right. stuff like that while also me being so like mentally down. So I got a therapist. <laughs> And that shit was beautiful. Was it, was it after that happened? That was the moment? I think so. I think I got a therapist, yeah, probably like not even three or four weeks afterwards because I was like, oh, I need somebody because this is a trip. Bowie yeah. was, and Bowie in some way was a therapy dog. Not, 
obviously not like professionally trained because she was crazy <laughs> but <laughs> she was therapy for me bless her she spoke my language but yeah. uh yeah she because of all the friends and the family that had passed away a lot of that hit me all you know 2017 and i got her around 2016 so like she was she was there to kind of fill in that void and so when she was gone it was like oh i ain't got nobody i have mm. people but like you know the way how your brain works um, and then right. disenfranchised grief, which is like people who lose like a fish or a dog or a cat or a house or something like that. Things that are not, that don't have as much value as like a human life that people want to mm. say are, uh, it's always hard to talk about that grief because you like, how do you go to a friend or someone who lost their dad when they were 17 and you're like, I lost my dog. And they're like, mm, that's sad. But like, imagine losing your parent. It's like, oh, even if they don't say that, you feel that. Right. So losing... Yeah, so losing Bowie and having that disenfranchised grief got in the way. But here we are. Mm -hmm. It is 2023. That's crazy, huh? It's it's crazy. We started this podcast in 2020. Mm -hmm. In the pandemic. So that wasn't an excuse. We didn't use the pandemic as an excuse to to go slower. We went faster. No, that was an instigator. Yeah. That's when I quit my first job and became a freelance writer. That's right. Which is at BuzzFeed now, so come pandemic. <laughs> it worked did, out. Did one thing right. The pandemic did one thing right. Yeah. I will not give Donald Trump the credit for that. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we're on the other side of things now. And so I want to bring it back. But with with a new flavor and a new intention. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that attention, first and foremost, when it comes to the name, I'm dropping in the, is it in the black man? In black the, man in the white world. Yeah, or not white world. Whoops, that was it. I mean, it's, a play, on word. it's right a play on words, so that's fine. Have but, we ever addressed that? Have you ever addressed the, the the name and where it comes from? I think so, once. But I mean, I'll address it now, just because one, I'm taking away in the, so it's black man, right world. It's black Sick. man, comma, right world, because that's the email address. That's most of the correspondence on like the internet. Um, and it's just easier to say. It's it basically comes from it's a play off of black men in the white world. Um, and that is basically where I grew up because I come from a conservative town, predominantly white, very Christian, uh, Republican. My one of my parents when I grew up was leaned Republican. I don't know where they lean now because you know, they old old people totally suddenly changed their mind. Now they don't give a fuck. But back then <laughs> they leaned Republican, mm-hmm. and so I grew up in a, a very conservative world, which would be associated with the right. So that's why I call it Black Men in the Right World because there I believe is a story of a certain group of people in the diaspora, a uh, Black diaspora that are constantly forgotten, and those people I mean are Black people that grew up in the suburbs, Black people that grew up outside of the city black people that grew up um in predominantly white areas went to predominantly white institutions um and reason and i think their stories are constantly kind of thrown to the wayside because we focus on black trauma a lot and black trauma is probably going to come from the inner city um dealing with incarceration and police and 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 you know urban urban life and the, the irony is that if I grew up in a predominantly white area that's conservative and Republican, 
don't you think that I probably went through some black trauma too? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, it's crazy. Because like in the inner city, people have this kind of this air of, of pretending like they're not that way. They're like, no, this is a liberal city. It's a sanctuary city, you know. This is Chicago. This is Los Angeles. This is New York. And then you find out, like, their statistics are they have the highest rate of, like, unarmed deaths of people of color and stuff like that. And it's just, there's, it's not that liberal as you think. But then, right. okay, if I'm living in Bakersfield, these people have no qualms of being like, I support Trump. I support maybe some very far right groups, uh, some groups that might be linked to white supremacy. I've been to plenty of parties or houses or barbecues where the Confederate flag was hanging up in the garage or which is crazy to me because last time i checked bakersfield was not not around uh, at the time of the civil war so i don't know what bakersfield is in california in the valley not even in like a like a roughneck area of california it's in the valley so like it's come on now i don't know what they're doing yeah but it's like it's like the country capital of the west people Mm. that come from oklahoma people that have come from like texas the south area like dust bowl migration type people even my mom's family came from arkansas so it's like that they have that old-fashioned southern feel to them but they're in the california lifestyle as well so yeah it's confused confused it was a shitty experience but i think i have a lot to tell from that perspective and then also i do believe that there should be a space for those stories so that's what i want this podcast to be bringing on people who might have shared similar experiences, whether they are another person like you, uh, mm-hmm. a white man. Do you also grown up in these similar areas? You have yeah. that experience too. Absolutely. Um, so like first and foremost, I definitely grew up in the almost exact same circumstances. Um, only it was a small town, not big, not anywhere near Bakersfield's uh, size, but definitely it was like predominantly white and predominant or latino it wasn't really like there was like a couple of black families that lived in the valley but very few it's Um, it's california yeah so it was and it was like you know central valley border of central valley in southern california so that that area it's by solving if anyone knows solving Um, and Bakersfield used to fuck heavy with that area because we would always go like San Luis Obispo, Pismo Beach, Santa Barbara. We like we would always drive to drive to the water. So like yeah. we have to get to y'all somehow, pass y'all. It's just um, crazy. I had no idea that was going on because I was so sheltered. The only thing I knew about was like Santa Barbara and Santa Maria. Like I didn't know people were coming from Bakersfield. I didn't know how big of a destination we were. I mean, I guess I kind of knew that people were coming from LA to vacation there, but yeah. I mean. All I could think about growing up was like how bored I was and there's not a lot to do. <laughs> I knew somebody that went there for a honeymoon. Where to Solvay? Yeah. And I was like, do you, but okay. I mean, it is a quaint little adorable Danish town. Like they, they just made a lifetime Christmas movie or equivalent uh, that's set in Solvang and you know. I think about... I've seen it. I've yeah. Seen it. I think it's called the Charming Christmas Town or something like that. Is it the one with like, because I don't know his name, I'm so sorry, but is it like a Asian actor? Uh, not the one I saw. Oh, so that okay. might be something new. I see a different one then. But so I know James up... James Franco and Alison Brie just made a new uh, movie that's set in uh, San Inez Valley, where I grew up. 
So keep your oh. eyes peeled for that one. Yeah. And uh, what's his name from uh, Insecure is on there? Lawrence. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was he's... wondering what he was doing besides Top Gun. I was disappointed because I thought he was going to be a bigger deal in Top Gun. I haven't seen it. You just ruined it for me. No, he's in it, but he's like deep supporting cast in that movie. Yeah, I knew he was. I knew there, was there was no way. They were not going to ruin their franchise with uh, diverse casting. <laughs> but uh, to, to get back on track, so like that's, that's the environment that I grew up in. Um, and then obviously when I moved uh, away for school, uh, that's kind of where you and I met. And yeah, I mean, once once we started living together, that was like a whole new experience for me. Like, like obviously, like I, we, we had known each other before then, but I think yeah. when you live, live with each other, like changes your perspective so much. Like every day for eight years, right? We yeah. were having, constantly having conversations, constantly like, learning from each other i mean i don't know how much you learned from me but i learned a shit ton from you you don't think i would learn <laughs> anything from you no i think you did i think you did okay but I'll, I'll let you speak to what you learned if anything but i mean if you say so <laughs> no display i yeah i think i think the conversations we have is what teaches me a lot it's not always going to be like you're gonna you're not gonna tell me something that i wasn't that i didn't assume because right. the way how the world is designed the history the mentality the future, the past, and the present of a life that looks like yours is put out in media. So I yeah. have I have a very good idea of what your life might look like because I'm like, oh, it probably looks like an ABC Family TV show or a Disney Channel original movie. Or it probably looks like, you know, it, there's things to apply it to. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where, like, you growing or me growing up as a white kid, I internalized that as, like, oh, I'm, like, an average kid which is such a wrong worldview or like yeah, normal. I don't like that shit because what like am I what am I not average am I above average or below average well I would say you're above average you're a great person but <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I don't just, like that language I'm like, yeah mm-hmm. but like that was like the belief system that I kind of grew up with was like oh I'm like normal to average like didn't think much of myself and see yeah that's, that's framed from that worldview that I got from media and I did know that like representation was lacking and that was something that i realized more and more especially going through film school um but it was something that growing up like i definitely internalized a lot yeah white straight white man getting average and normal mixed up with mediocre that's the word you're looking for no dude Uh, (laughs) i mean i I feel pretty mediocre a lot of the time yeah like if, if you're a straight white man you're mediocre you're not normal don't do that. Like <laughs> the rest of us aren't abnormal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I think too. What's the big thing about having this podcast and having these conversations and bringing people on that might not have the same identity as me and be able to bounce our shared experiences off. Also talk about things that people may be working on that are creative, artistic work, stuff like that. I'm always gonna promote that. I love fucking pop culture, TV, and movies. That's what I write about at BuzzFeed. So, like, obviously, we're going to always talk about those things. There will always be an element of that no matter what. Yeah. But I think it's so important to have these conversations with people like you, especially, because I've known you since, what, 2011? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we and, met in uh, uh, acting or act, uh, writing workshop class. Writing yeah. workshop. Don't say acting because then people will be like, are they, are they actors? We did, did act in, we did act in the class. Like, he'd we make did. us get up and read the scenes and stuff. 
Yeah, he would tell us a scene, fuck it. And I was like, mm, this is just giving HR. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, don't want to scene, fuck nothing. Like, don't say that to me. Uh, but He's an interesting teacher. He was a very interesting teacher. The he he is he has a, he's pretty notable, so I won't say his name. Yeah, but no shade. Yeah, Good no guy. shade. But the knowing you for that long, I think it's very interesting, and I would like people to be able to see that these types of conversations are hard as fuck because mm. you're someone I've known for what? That's I can't do the math. That's over a decade. Twelve years. Yeah, twelve years. We yeah. lived together. There's there are points of times in our life where we shared rooms mm-hmm. for multiple years. Like he had a bed over here, I had a bed over there. Yeah. Before y'all think that we was living poor, I had a queen size bed this whole time. So like the room yeah. was that big that I could fit a queen size I, bed. He, I was in a twin. Had, he was I was in a twin. twin. He was in, in the, the twin. Wall. He was in the twin. But I had a full queen size bed. Always. Look, I was I was staying lean. I was bougie. <laughs> Um, yeah. but we, yeah, we shared rooms and had so many conversations. And I, I would say that when it comes to my identity, of uh, being a black man and at this point now, cause when we started the podcast, I wasn't out. So also That's true. a queer man, queer black man, I think the struggle that I still have with the conversations with you is so eye opening to me. Like, damn, people, ex- we expect people to go out there and have conversations like this with people you don't know. When I'm mm. talking to someone that I've known for 12 years and I'm still like, he's not getting it or he'll never understand what I mean. It's not, and it's nothing, it's not like anything that you're lacking. It's not, it's not like, it's not like you're, you're actually actively going out there and like, I refuse to listen to what Mike's saying. I'm, I'm being resistant. It's just the reality. When I think about it, there will always, there will always be an air of he's never going to fully know what it's like to live in my shoes. So okay. even if I do tell you things, it comes off, it can easily come off like a Tyler Perry movie or it can come off like a do- documentary where it's like you're just watching something on Hulu because you're like, you're just getting new information, but you're never going to like physically feel that. Like, um, yeah. so it, there was, I think there was a time where I thought like, not, not intentionally, but like I thought, oh yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I get it now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have that moment where you feel like you get it. Like when 2020 happened, I felt I was not surprised at all. I was surprised in the sense of the reaction that all that the that that the rest of the world had, and like the rest of the world was kind of acting surprised. But 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 I I know that there's like no way that I'm going to know everything, and and that to a lot of times the more you know, the less you know. Yeah, you know? I mean, I don't know everything. There's there's yeah. there's black experiences I will never be able to fully understand because I never grew up like I said in an inner city or with a single parent or anything like that. I come from, my dad was law enforcement. My mom worked my entire life. My, both my parents worked, they stayed married. I lived in the suburbs. Like I have very much different experience, but don't get it motherfucking twisted. I kept my finger on the pulse of the diaspora my entire life since I was writing fucking, you know, book reports on abolitionists and fourth grade and talking about like I'm gonna go Nat Turner on fucking my fifth grade class like saying stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) and they were like we don't understand what that means Michael and I was like you don't understand what it means like I will kill everyone in this class it was crazy because that 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 language does not sound good today you know because people will say some other things but basically I was just the only black kid in the class and so like and some at times I was the only black kid in my entire school 
That's like crazy. Our entire, entire grade. I, don't, I need to correct that. Entire mm. grade. There was probably like four of us in the whole school. But it was like one in like first grade. There'd be like one in, you know, third grade. And it was just me in sixth grade. And that was it. That was all that's, the black kids. Yeah, that's pretty similar to the, the families in the Valley. Like there's like, that's pro- that was probably true for a lot of people that lived in San Diego's Valley. Like, and that's black. nuts. Yeah. Because it's, it's just like, damn, how do you even relate to anybody if you are physically like one of the few? And so when Black History Month comes up, Martin Luther King Day comes up, all these holidays come up, you're just sitting there like, uh, I don't want to be the representation for the entire black race because I literally am into school. Yeah, you like, said there's times when like, you know, things will come up in class and everyone like looks at you. Oh, yeah. But that happens to, and I, and talking to other black people, that has happened to everybody. Mm. Where people kind of be like, mm, like, what you know about that? I'm like, what you mean? What do I know about that? I don't know nothing about that. I wasn't there, but don't get it twisted, Ron DeSantis. Like, I wasn't there, but my mom and dad and my grandparents were. <laughs> and so it's not, it's not that old. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it's, it is hard being the voice of, 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 of that, or being forced to be. So I kind of want mm. to take the reins and take the control back, and be the voice on my own terms. Which yeah, is what I'm doing now with this podcast, hopefully. Yeah, so I guess like obviously there's people who've listened to us before. There's people who are listening to this for the first time. Is there anything that you want to say, like specifically about like how you're approaching things now differently, or or any questions you want to ask me? Like, um, I think the biggest thing how I'm approaching it now is that I am no longer waiting for people to catch up, and that is that includes even you mm-hmm. and that and so we've we've had these conversations outside of this where it was like i would have these come to jesus moments with myself and i was like oh my gosh am i sugarcoating or watering this shit down to make grant comfortable when i'm talking about certain things and i was like i don't think so but some i still feel that way and i'm like you probably don't think so you're probably like no he was he was saying everything he wanted to i never felt that way <laughs> yeah <for the> record. <laughs> yeah i was like he don't feel that way but i feel that way because i was like that's the last thing i want to do this is not this is not a podcast for me to be like let me tell a bedtime story to all the white america about how racism is not your fault no <laughs> you in the wrong podcast if you want that this well that's is- a, i guess that's a question like on behalf of white america like what do you want to say to us uh it's your fault but I'm gonna okay. we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna talk through it. Yeah. It's not an end all be all. Like I I I'm very much going to be frank with my experience and experience of black people in America, but at the same time I am not here for cancel culture. I am not here for writing people off, obviously, if I'm still talking to your ass twelve years later. Yeah, that's true. We've <laughs> no, been through some stuff. <laughs> yeah, we've been through some stuff. Like it's basically like there we have to get to these conversations and it always isn't it's not going to always be black black and white it's sometimes going to be male to female uh mm-hmm. non-binary to 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 male uh trans to cisgender you know gay to lesbian bi to to straight like there's there's conversations there's so many dynamics that can be had to have these 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 conversations you don't normally have at the dinner table but the one we're going to start off with uh, between us is black and white, obviously. Uh, yeah. Qu- queer, straight, because it's like, that's who we are. Yeah. But yeah. It's going to, it, it'll be very interesting. And it's, it's hopefully going to be an easy way for people to have those conversations that they're not able to have yet. 
I would like people to be able to have these conversations, but I don't, I don't, I won't be upset if everyone's not having them tomorrow because it's not that easy. I I even honestly believe that you ain't going home uh, on Thanksgiving and being like, let me put everybody to task about like Florida and like, well, how do you feel about the like AP history, black history be taken away? And it's like, you know, that's fine, but I would like to get in a place where we are comfortable about talking about those things because maybe your family or maybe my family or our friends can hear the podcast, hear that conversation be brought up here, and then they're like, I'll start from where they left off. So now yeah. we, don't have, we don't have to get through the, the uncomfortable part. We all know it's uncomfortable, but they're like, yeah. you know, bring up what they want to say. No, I remember you said this to me like a long time ago. It was like basically like even if you have a conversation with someone, and you leave the conversation, both parties still disagreeing. The next time they think of that topic, they still have your talking point in their head. Yeah. So, so even if you know they don't like what you said or they disagree with what you said, they'll still consider it, even if it's like, oh, he thinks this. You know, like th- that still is something that they you know will take with them. Hopefully, and, and I will say I will speak that's definitely what what it's like for us. Yeah, um, there is a group of people now where I'm like I'm not sure if they're even listening to the other person. They're just yelling at each other. That is what this is not. Uh, I'm like I very much like I don't like, but I very much am receptive to hearing things that I'm not fully comfortable with talking about or dealing with and processing it and moving forward. That's how we started this podcast. I was. I didn't talk about a lot of things. There was things I avoided. I avoided uh, talking about sexuality. I avoided talking about religion. I avoided talking about uh, sex. I avoided talking about a lot of things that I didn't was like, I can't do that. And then fast forward now, I got there's stuff on the internet, you know, that millions of people have read. It's like, I went to a BDSM party and was spanked in the ass by a man and a woman because I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) So like... We're there it's on now. Buzzfeed. <laughs> yeah, we're there now. It, 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 we, we, we've moved on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we progressed. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's the goal of this podcast, to have difficult conversations so that you can start find a good starting point for yourself. Mm, that's awesome. And I think, like, the last point you made about progress is pretty good because, like, we were talking about this right before we got on the show, like, we feel like we've progressed a lot the last couple of years, but the world maybe has not. <laughs> no, not at all. The world is, what's the opposite of progress? Degress? Uh, Regressed. Regress? I don't know. One of them. Uh, nobody, do we have degrees in English? Uh, <laughs> they need to take those back. But It's screen reading English. <laughs> I have a degree in English. Um, but that's neither here or there. <laughs> Obviously, it did nothing for me. It was a long time ago. It was 20 years ago almost. But I I do think the world is going backward in a lot of areas. And it's frustrating because I feel like for me personally, I feel like I'm coming into my own. I'm coming into this whole new world. And a You're lot flourishing. of people are. Like a lot of young people are. When I see a lot of young people that are non-binary, a lot of young people that are trans, are openly trans now, a lot of young people who are uh, sharing their queer identities at such a young age, people who are maybe divorcing people that just were in a toxic relationship or or maybe getting separated from a person that was in a toxic relationship. Everyone is kind of standing up to trauma differently. And it sucks because as we stand up to trauma, 
in a more progressive way and a better way for ourselves, also suddenly the people that are, are du- that cause that trauma are doubling down. They like know mm. they're losing power, and so they're like, "Oh, we gotta come in hot now," you know, with the homophobia and the bigotry and the racism and the sexism and the misogyny. These things are coming in hot because now you they see there is a group of people that aren't taking no shit no more. Yeah, it's like as one as one power grows stronger, so does. Well, the other thinks it has to try to grow stronger in order to meet it, but it's actually the flames getting weaker. If that metaphor makes sense. So we kind of started this in the reaction to 2020, but kind of just based on you know the conversations we were having in the kitchen constantly every day. Um, but how are things compared to 2020? I feel like shit that's a question to be asked to you because like for me i never felt i knew things were not going to change the way that everyone thought it was everyone thought they're gonna put on some dashikis and take a knee at the capitol that is gonna change the world and like i was like cool chuck schumer you and nancy pelosi like took a knee in dashikis and like five months later them niggas came in there and bust the windows out <laughs> like, oh yeah like, i forgot about that i was like so it did nothing what you what you did, did it made it worse like that you took a knee and they stormed the capitol um and with the noose yeah it wasn't it was tell. really not that long after that's yeah, crazy months months after so the fact like to i personally feel i'm, I'm going to take a reach and i'm going to be like the energy of January 6th did not necessarily just come from the fact that Joe Biden won the election. That came from the fact of, of the unity and the the cause that was happening over the summer of 2020. That was a response to that. Mm. But we're not ready to talk about that as a people. But that that that's what that was. That was oh, the it's other, gotta that be. was the opposite group. Yeah. And it was yeah. much smaller and weaker. Much so smaller, much the, weaker, looking crazy. The narrative, but wow. That's the group that thinks Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. Yeah. So it is what it is. Not good. Yeah. But apparently, uh, yeah, we're living in a time where I think the conversations that were brought up from the moments of 2020 and that are consistently being brought up by all of these, you know, mass shootings and unarmed shootings of, of people of color mm-hmm. and black men, especially all like this is still happening. And it, I think it doubled down, if I'm not yeah. if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so uh, this article here from NBC News, more officers were actually charged in fatal police shootings in 2021, but there was more police killings were actually higher in 2021 than 2020. So See? a year after, more unarmed people were killed. Does that not sound like the response to 2020? Like, it's like they're doubling down because they know people are, they know more people are going to have, have, there's a civil unrest that's bigger than they thought. It's not just black people who are mad at being mistreated. It's other, everybody, a lot of people are mad about, you know, these different groups being treated. And it was well, yeah. kind of almost a union of them. Yeah. And what's crazy about that number, too, is like, so there's like, I think this article has it, but it's behind a paywall. But basically, it was like a thousand people, over a thousand people were killed. But like, out of that number, actually, only two hundred something were actually black people. So that means that a lot of people are getting killed. Like, oh, yeah. this is a huge. This is a huge issue. Well, when we have these conversations, like, yes, when you're talking to like a black man like me, I'm going to have a, a particular focus 
on noticing the disparity of how many unarmed black men are killed because the ratio will it's disproportionate yeah 100 percent is disproportionate yeah there's not our percentage is low so like we if we have one of the lowest percentages uh populations in the united states but the high percentage of, of that small population is being killed then mm-hmm. yes that's that's not that's something's off yeah but to be that that doesn't take away from the fact that everyone is being killed at a at a disproportionate rate of of you know people who shouldn't be <laughs> of, being yeah. arre- of you know being arrested like people are not being arrested the arrests are the, the arrests are happening cool but a lot of people are being just murdered in the street like over bullshit whether they might be there might be some mental illness situation there might be uh some kind of aggravated tension or something with these officers they're mm-hmm. like just going and they just lighten light motherfuckers up and that's crazy to me because everyone should be upset yeah especially I mean, we have a legal system i mean like this is my stance i think i've said this multiple times on this podcast it's like we have a legal system for a reason like you are entitled to a jury of your peers if you're accused of a crime you should not be murdered on the street point blank period that's my stance i don't think it's outlandish and crazy i think it's very reasonable yeah i will i will ask this because prior to 2020 i was already like hesitant and nervous and anxious around cops i i am wondering has your when you're around police are you do you get anxious or are nervous or is it just kind of like business as usual so you're driving down 101 and then like a cop pulls behind you so this is a good question so prior to prior to 2020 no because i knew that this was an issue that was that was that has been going on and is predominantly affecting black people so like i knew that like i'm treated very differently when i'm pulled over by the police than you would be right from conversations we've had from like what what i saw going on with like everything that led up to ferguson and everything since then but after 2020 yeah i was a little freaked out and i'm not gonna lie when we did you know the that when we touch on this topic on the show, I get a little yeah. freaked out because I'm like, I don't know who's listening to this. Like, that's true. I we, don't know. We talk some mad shit on like Blue Lives Matter. We talk mad shit on like the police system. So I get a little nervous that like you know that gets that gets out. I mean, we haven't blown up yet, but we might after this. So, um, so I did get a little nervous, but I think more so, I'm a, I'm just more aware of watching like when I see someone else get pulled over, mm. and I'm and I'm kind of watching like okay who is that person does this seem suspect like does is this a routine traffic stop or is this maybe some profiling going on i'm definitely more aware of that that's crazy because okay obviously i'm nervous anxious like every it's the the reality is every day i get in the car i'm thinking about it uh Mm -hmm. which is exhausting and that's not true for me just to be clear i i I, i'm it's really literally when i see you know yeah, you see, see what's going on. I'm yeah. always thinking about it. I'd be like, "Ugh, there's a cop coming or something like that." The other day, they were doing construction in the road, and one of the guys like directed me kind of in the wrong direction, and he like he's like, "Come this way," and he's like, "Wait, no, stop!" And I was like, "I stopped," and I didn't know why. And it was because a cop had suddenly turned his lights on and had to drive through like the intersection. So mm. the, they were telling me to come through the construction, but then they told me to stop because like you know it's it's a. a a random occurrence of the cop turning their sirens on. But as the cop was driving down with his sirens to go deal with some kind of crime, I was like, oh my God, like 
did I stop fast enough? I was like, what if he turns around and he like pulls me over? And I was like, this cop has a whole mission to go to. Yeah. Like he, he, like he's not worried about me. But in my mind, that's all I could think about. See, I have a kind of weird, I have a weird take. I, I don't know if there's any good evidence to back this up, but I almost feel like the police should operate like firefighters. And like, I don't think there should be traffic stops. Like, I think you can automate all that stuff with like robot ticket givers, like nowadays, like you don't need people to actually physical people to pull over. I feel like it should be like, they sit in the police station and they wait until they're called. Well, you do know they do that a majority of the time to get collect, to get money. That's what I'm saying. There's a profit. In, well, I didn't say that, but there's a profit incentive to do stuff like this. And so, have the robots constantly pulling people over because robots won't profile. That's the they they need. No, them. when like, I say robots, I mean like an automated camera, like sensor. But that even just that, can... an automated camera is going to get people who are actually breaking the law. The the whole problem with the policing system is that they also want to get people who aren't breaking the law, who they think might be breaking the law, so they get lucky. Yeah. See that that we need to stop that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> You keep everybody indoors until they're called, just like the firefighters. Let them hang out, watch TV, you know, do some weights. Yeah. Why not? That sounds they, like a great job. They, in a, in a perfect world, yeah, we would just be giving tickets to people who are running red lights and speeding. But there's also like, well, this car looks kind of old and there's a Hispanic man driving it. So let me pull him over because he probably has drugs or he's probably in a gang. And if he's not, he probably doesn't have a license. And if he doesn't have a license, or he does have a license, he's probably, you know, there's some other reason. He might get angry enough that I can just arrest him off of that. So it's like, that's what the human element is for. Yeah, and there's so many incentives that, that create those opportunities or or whatever you want to call them, situations, that should should and could be eliminated to reduce that type of stuff. But that's a topic for a whole other day. Yeah, it's a whole other day. That Yeah, but that's wild. I think those things are what's been consistently going on before 2020 and even after 2020. I think that how we talk about it has gotten a lot harder because the people who are in opposition have found new ways of shutting it down. Mm. Shutting down the conversation now. There's ways of shutting down the protest, shutting down the unrest, shutting down any opposition to... Do you think what's going on with, uh, like, Florida and Ron DeSantis, like, is a situation like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I found out that it's the AP Studies program, right? Mm African-American Studies? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if this is AP, this means that this is seniors of high school that are taking college-level classes. Because I, when I was in college, I took, I was in all AP. AP Physics, English, History, Economics, Government. The funny thing is, when I think about that in Bakersfield, California, and all these AP classes, I still didn't find out who James Baldwin was until I went to college. <laughs> or Angela Davis. Like, I knew who they were, but I, it's like, in passing. You know, I knew, I, knew them, I knew them for the same reason why I knew about abolitionists and that turn and all that. It's because I did my own research and just tried mm. to seek them out. What I'm getting at is there was no extensive knowledge of these people as political leaders, uh, literary, uh, you know. Geniuses, Geniuses, poets. like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking like, oh, he's just, he's just a black guy who wrote books and was like really prominent with civil rights. Come to find mm. out he has, he's written, like the, his level of writing 
is on par with any other any other person I was studying in these AP classes. So when I think about that, taking all the AP classes I took and the lack of people that I didn't even never learned about that had to do with black history and AKA American history, AKA African American history, my history, the lack of that, I'm like, there's definitely a need for AP African American studies class. And this 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 situation going on here where he's, you know, thrown it out because it breaks the woke law that Florida passed is problematic, especially because I've read that some of the main issues that they had with it was like the stuff that focused on feminist black history and queer black history, which like that stuff that gets erased everywhere too. But that's, and see, that's you're why, double erasing it. That's why I brought up those two particular names because Angela Davis and James Baldwin both identify as queer people. Right. So it's like you take them out of the equation, you know, you take out, uh, Marsha P. Johnson, all these other people, you take all, all like, you know, Stonewall, you take out, like, there's, there's so many people, there's so many inventors, physicists, and scientists, and visionaries, and stuff that have some connection to African-American culture that are queer, so when you say, like, oh, we gotta take out the whole queer part, they're, they, they were, so, like, that's history, and that's just American history, I don't understand what's, what's so damaging to teach, these are not, these are not babies, this is not a third grade class we're talking about. So that's also, that's insulting the intelligence of these 17-year-old adults, pretty much, that, mm. that want to take this class. Like, nope, they won't, they can't take it because it'll indoctrinate them. They're grown-ass people. They're they're out there fucking and doing drugs and doing whatever the hell they want. So I'm trying to tell you right now, <laughs> if you take out a couple chapters of an AP class, you're not going to, like, save them from, from learning something. These motherfuckers can go on TikTok and figure out what they need to know. They probably already have an AP African American Studies class on TikTok that they basically take already. So like, do you think this is like a political stunt or do you think that they're really threatened by this? It's both. I think I think mm. they are threatened by it, but I also think he is trying to plant himself as the Trump 2.0. Because this guy could be president in two years. Like if he beats Trump in the midterm. He, nah. I mean, he that's the goal, that's the game plan, but I'm not gonna let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds bad. I mean, I, I will mobilize. Like, I will. I will be like full. Get campaign. out the vote. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be full campaign manager of of whoever's running against him. Like, let's go. I'm gonna be yeah. putting signs and yards. Like, because I just don't want that. Like, he to he's already banned a bunch of books and stuff, and it's like I'm tired of them banning Tony Morrison, and it's like I can't read about Tony Morrison because what. The, the hearing about slaves being raped is too intense but what the whole what is the the crucible about I'm i actually never read the crucible what is the crucible about oh you never read it no we i, I they didn't it's about that. like it's about like women that are like labeled as witches and they get they get killed and hung and shit and then one of them's having an affair with a, like another person's husband and there's like sex involved and these are like kids having sex with grown men and like lying on the men and then the man gets killed it's, a, mm. it's wild. That's book one. Then there's Scarlet Letter. We all know what the hell that's no, about. No, I read that one. Yeah. So, like, I, so this is normal? I get, like, that's okay for me to read when I'm a, a junior in high school, but you're worried if I read, if somebody reads something about slavery, it's going to be too much for them? See, it's just, tell, say what it is. You don't want them to, you don't want it to look bad. Yeah. It's like, it puts America in a bad light if you read this, like, negative history, but some of the history is not even that far back. They're still alive. So it's like... It also just... 
it also just feels logically inconsistent to me because it's like on the one hand you're saying like we have to remember and celebrate our history but then we're like but not all of it we gotta forget it and then on one hand it's like you know we're libertarian we should be able to say whatever we want and think whatever we want and not have any consequences but then at the same time it's like but we're gonna ban books it's like you can't have it both ways i just don't understand why we're trying to ban books in a, in the age of technology like that's you're stupid which book yeah. are you banning the physical book because are you going on Kindle and banning all those? Are you going on Amazon and banning those? Are you stopping children from from being able just to buy it on their own at home? No, I, I guess like the, they're taking the control where they can, I guess. But that they... makes you look worse because then because then you become a kid, a person like me who grows up and is like, oh, my school didn't want me to learn this, but I still found out about it. So my school tried to keep it from me. So there's it's not the crime. Guy. It's the cover up. Well, that's not that's not really related, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it makes it look bad. It makes it look like they're trying to hide something, and it's like if you don't have something to hide, yeah, then it makes you look guilty. Is what I'm saying. But look, if I was Florida, I would be like, I don't want them to read about Rosewood, mm. because they'd be like, wait, kids would be reading it, be like, you mean to tell me there was a town of all black people that were like fifty miles from here, and we burnt it all down and killed all the babies and the women and, and children? They'd be like, uh-uh. no, that didn't happen. They'd be like, yes, it did. The AP Studies class talked about it. And they'd be like, Ron DeSantis, why aren't you talking about Rosewood? And then he has to deal mm. with that. So, yes, mm. I understand why Florida is not trying to have that. Mm. But it's like, be to say it with your chest. Be real. Like, if you're racist, be racist. I don't know I, what's worse. <laughs> like, I, it's... it's <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't want them to be racist, but it's like when you're doing things that are racist, then you have to, you, you're going to have that title. You're going to have that moniker because mm. for me, I'm, I'm thinking of the literal term of what racism is, not prejudice and not bigotry, not going and say, I don't like him because he's black, not going, I burn a cross in their yard because they are a black family, or I'm going to take their, their rainbow flag, pride flag and, and throw it on the ground and crumble it. That's, that's not. That's not the true part of oppression that is harming these communities. The racism is an institutional power that prevents a group of people from progressing. Now, if you are in a political position like Ron DeSantis and you take out books and take out an entire course, you are using your institutional power to remove history and knowledge from a certain group of people. Thus, that is the actual definition of oppression. That is the actual definition of of, of racism. So you are doing that. Because if and it then, wasn't racism, he would do it for, he'd be like, ain't no Asian studies, ain't no white studies, no European studies. Like, I don't want y'all to talk about Europe and all them fucking their cousins. I don't want you to talk about China. I don't want you to talk about nobody. Then I'd be like, okay, he, Ron DeSantis coming in hot. He said, <laughs> hey, we, he said we ain't learning about nobody. <laughs> Which you know what? I would have some respect for that. I yeah, guess. I would have some respect. I'd be like, okay, yeah. I don't know. He what really just learning. hates history. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna learn. But see, okay, that's the thing, right? You're what you're saying is it's it's the actual definition of racism. But then when some Miami black leaders called him racist, they then had to apologize to him. Yeah, you. I saw that, and I was like, so that's the shit we're not gonna do in 2023. This is what we're not. This is why. I almost stopped doing this podcast and I said, bitch, you got me fucked up. I'm doing the podcast because I don't want to be like them niggas. Those Uncle Toms. 
for people who have never listened to the podcast before, I just let it be known that I do curse. So, like, it's going to be there. <laughs> it's there. But these motherfuckers had the audacity to apologize for calling him racist. But to what degree were they forced to do that, right? Like, No, there's nobody. You can't force me to do nothing. Like, if you want to force me to do that, then you're going to have to go Malcolm X, Martin Luther King route, Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy route. That's I guess he... <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's like uh, he, in, in that article that I sent you which mm-hmm. was like a Fox article he's basically saying he's like you can't call me racist because the part that I had a problem with was the queer part so he's basically saying don't call me racist because I'm mm-hmm. actually homophobic <laughs> like sorry that we we uh, put you in a box you're a bigot not a racist you fuck up everybody <laughs> <laughs> you hate women gays and blacks so like sorry we, we got it wrong He's like, don't, he's like, don't, I work out and fucking did to oppress everybody and you guys gonna just say I'm oppressing niggas? Like, hell no. I'm fucking up everybody. Sorry, Mr. DeSantis. We forgot. You hate everyone. Yeah. Florida but that's crazy. Like, a- this guy's the favorite to win the nomination. Like, he's, he could, he could beat Joe Biden. Like, that's what's crazy about this. Joe Biden could beat Joe Biden. <laughs> I don't know what I mean by that. <laughs> I don't but know what you I mean. I just, I just mean like he doesn't even. Joe Biden doesn't even know if he's running again. He doesn't even know what's going on. So like, I, yeah, he's old. That's crazy. But yeah, Florida's tripping. I even heard it. Epcot. They took out all the black. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Breaking news. You heard it here first. They took out Africa at the Epcot Center because Ron DeSantis was like, "Nah, niggas, no niggas." He Wait, said, pause. Okay, what? <laughs> Epcot only has one land. For Africa, but even though there's like probably fifty countries I in Africa, know. I don't, I don't know that, and I don't want to, I don't want to do some Disney slander. I've been to Epcot when I was eight, or not eight, when I was graduated eighth grade. I don't remember going to multiple African countries. I don't remember going to a single African country. Single, there. single. So like, I don't yeah. think it was there. I don't think Crazy. Africa, I don't think Africa's at Epcot. So they already got that down. Okay, interesting. We'll have to do some research on they that. They have fucking Pandora, though. The the Navi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've, heard that's, I've heard it's great. As a black person, to see that Avatar is getting more respect, cultural respect, than, my, than me, and I'm a real human that exists, and I'm not a fucking big-ass blue alien. Let's make, sure this, let's make sure this is a big miss. <laughs> is Africa an Afghan? I don't think so. While not represented by a fully-fledged pavilion, there is a little bit of Africa to be found at Epcot's World Showcase. That sounds like some bullshit. Wow. Africa's the largest continent in the world, and some of those countries in that largest continent are twice the size of most countries in the world. By 2050, one in three people... Including Russia and us. Mike, get this. By 2050, one in three people in the world will be African. One in three. I don't like that. Like, it's the fastest-growing population. They're taking my my special quality away. (laughs) I want to be. They're African. They're not African American. Okay. Okay. All right. You'll still be special to me. Because that's the last thing we need is people like Ron DeSantis. Like I'm African too. I'm like, oh lord. He's claiming that one percent. But see, okay. At the same time that all that's going on, like there is like some pretty awesome records being broken left and right. Yes, that's the good news. The good news is like, okay, what what all happened this week? Like LeBron James became like the all-time like 
scorer in the NBA. Like uh, Beyonce became the all-time Grammy winner ever of any musician. And uh, tell me a fact about Rihanna because that that was a pretty awesome performance. Well, Rihanna was pregnant during her performance. I I could I could tell. That's Lizzie rude. called it. That's rude. Uh, no, she. It, okay, so I, I think that it was a mistake. It, it was always planned for her to announce it that way because when she was asked prior, she was like, they were like, are you bring any special guests? She said that there might be one special guest that up here. And that mm. special guest is her baby. And mm. in the opening, it looks like in the very opening, she rubs the belly. She rubs her belly as announcing it in the very beginning. If you look mm. at her face, she's like smirking, but the cameraman is only at her like chest up. So, so he missed it. it. And then you pan out. And so like it was like everyone just speculating. I was like, there's no speculation. Like she clearly is not trying to hide it. It's the the, the baby was hanging out doing dance yeah. moves. The baby was twerking doing most of the set. It was it was like a prominent part of yeah. the, the costume and everything. Yeah. Everyone's like, I think I think she's pregnant. What do you mean think? Like don't nobody's stomach hang over their belt like that? Uh, <laughs> people were like oh we don't want to body shame her maybe she's just like showing that like mommy weight and i was like y'all come on now she is a whole celebrity <laughs> yeah what'd you think i i, I didn't watch the game i great. only watched that it was great it looked like smash brothers like the real only i was like how are these platforms moving in the air oh yeah that was crazy like what like people were not not as fascinated by that as they should have been i was like what what they did you tell that? me what did you tell me right before we got on? Like 11,000 more people watched that performance than the rest of the whole game? Yeah, I saw some statistic that more people watched, thousands of people watched, more people watched the halftime show than the actual football game. That's crazy. So that's what I'm saying. It was like. Oh, there was also two black quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, interesting. For the first time ever in the Super Bowl. That's okay. This is my problem. I'm excited for Beyonce. But, and LeBron James. LeBron James, is, his is doesn't bother me as much because he beat, a, there's plenty of black top scorers. Mm-hmm. At, at a certain point in basketball, you can't, it's statistics. You can't fight statistics. Mm-hmm. So they, they literally like, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a committee or an academy fucking picking who's the best basketball player. And they're like, mm, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant are good, but we just really like, you know, Luke Walton or something. And That's so they straight up the, math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's math. You can't, you can't, racism can't get into that because it's straight statistics. But yeah. so that's where I think the issue comes in when you have the Grammys and you have uh, NFL because NFL does how they pick and how they put place people because black men are not, are, aren't always quarterback. So for, for this to be the very first game that two black quarterbacks ever played against each other and it's 2023, this is the first the first uh, Super Bowl game that that's happened, or the first game period. <laughs> I, don't, I hope it's. A, I don't watch football enough to know. But oh, I think okay. it's the first Super Bowl. Okay, first that makes football sense. game ever. That would be wild. But it was so annoying. Even one of the commentators, uh, he made a comment. It was very ill timed. He was like, he said something like, "This is very fitting. Like it's the first time the two black players are playing. It's just very fitting because it's Abraham Lincoln's birthday." And I was <laughs> like, "What?" excuse me <laughs> what does you what do you mean by that um but Interesting. yeah that and i guess also first black female one of the coaches was a black woman oh it's, wow but see i don't like these first because it, it kind of it's like basically he'll remind us like hey niggas we finally let you in because this isn't we we no matter how you want to shape it with the grammys we dominate music 
mm-hmm. straight up. I'm sorry. You, it's like, it's. I know it's unfair, but when you oppress people, they get really good at writing song lyrics and making playing music. So if you want us to stop being good at music and sports, stop fucking with us, then. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. What else are we gonna do? Because like that's how art is created. So to for Beyonce to become just now become the most awarded person is disrespectful when you think of how much how many times she's been nominated already and Mm. she's also never won the top of big awards before she mostly wins r&b she mostly wins urban categories she just Mm. she won the dance category because that's where they put her album they don't want to put it in pop they don't want to put it in you know even though it's a pop vocal album i was like Mm. what what is more dance electronic than harry styles's album because I, I, I was doing the same dance moves to Harry Styles' album as I was doing to Beyonce's. So, mm. in fact, but his is pop vocal because he's a white guy. Adele is pop vocal because she's a white woman. You know, mm. it's, how are they in the same category? Adele and Harry Styles are not singing the same genre of music, but they're white. Yeah, so that's crazy. I also yeah. would never, I mean, this might be me being ignorant, but I would never say that Adele is pop. Like, it's more like soul, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know what category she is. I might be starting some rumors, but Oh, okay. I know I don't that, I don't know what I'm talking about there. I, either, so I we'll know at the end of the day I know at the end of the day Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, and them are put into another category. Lizzo mm. so luckily somehow makes it into that category too. Mm. But um for the most part, yeah, those categories are not awarded to people like Beyonce. And so then they kinda of pigeonhole her and they go like, Oh, well, we gave an award to Bad Bunny. He may have the best non English album <laughs> pretty much, you know, Urbano musical or whatever. Mm. Like, come on now. Urban music in in Spanish? That's I guess what's more important in this context, like winning a Grammy, even if it's like in an off category, or winning the Grammy. I think they need to acknowledge if an album like Bad if a person like Bad Bunny or Beyonce is dominating globally and and especially the United States, they need to be nomin they need to be recognized for that. Mm-hmm. Not she's the best black album, he's the best Puerto Rican album. We know that already. What do you mean? He sold out stadiums. No shit. Mm-hmm. He's the best. Like, we don't need to do that. But when Beyonce's up for best album, that that you gotta take into account everyone that's involved with it. And so this is cause she lost once before not no, not once before, four times. And mm-hmm. I remember when she lost to Beck and everyone said, Oh no, this Beck clearly is better. And like then two Was that later, for Lemonade? Uh, when- yeah, Lemonade. No. Or no, that's for Beyonce. She lost She lost Lemonade to Adele, and Adele made it very clear that she should have won. So oh, I that's I right. Don't, I don't need to argue that point on that one. But mm. for Beck, people were trying to say, no, Beck is a better songwriter than Beyonce because he wrote all his own songs. So I was like, okay, no. Beck may write his songs, and he may play instruments, but he also had plenty of producers and plenty of people working on his album. He didn't work on it by himself because people were saying Beyonce doesn't do it. She doesn't do it by herself. I was like, no one does. Who, yeah. who who has made an album by themselves? No one. That's the whole reason why Taylor had to re-record five albums because there's so many people that were involved. She didn't even own it. Like, like, come on now, y'all. Don't you don't give me like. I feel like black people. We're the one group of people or people of color a lot. But I'm gonna say black people. I want to speak for us right now. We're the one group that always has to have all these caveats and explanations like why. Because we'll be like, why can't Beyonce when they go, oh, this is why. They chose the best person. When you when you, when you you cast, like when you uh, whitewash a character in a movie or something, you go, well, the reason why is because they chose the Stop. If we're just choosing the best, then Beyonce would have beat Harry Styles. 
Bad Bunny would have beat Harry Styles if mm. we're just choosing the best. Because yeah. right for bar for bar singing, Beyonce is obviously better. I'm a Harry Styles fan too. I've seen him three times last year. So, oh my God. But, but That's Beyonce, amazing. Yeah, Beyonce is a better singer, hands down. Like the people that produced and worked on her albums, she, she had like Skrillex and stuff. She had, she she's worked with Diplo before. She, I guess she beat him in this dance category. Like she's worked with so many people. Um, it's it doesn't it doesn't make sense. And she didn't yeah. even have a tour. Everyone else had a tour. She just now released a tour at the beginning of this month, and still somehow that album was like very impactful when everybody else had to have a tour to accompany theirs. Mm. Um, sans uh, Taylor Swift Beyonce and Taylor Swift are the only ones that didn't have a tour with their album and still still sh- stopped the world basically and it's like pretty much I don't think Beyonce will ever win at this point because Lemonade nothing will compare to Lemonade and 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 what's the newest album called? Renaissance and that's crazy to me and in the first album that she didn't win a big upset with Beck that album was released on Friday when albums were originally supposed to release on Tuesday, and because she released the album on Friday, it changed the entire system, and now new music is released on Friday because mm. of Beyonce's album. So you want to tell me that you can't get album of the year when you literally change the entire industry? Come on. It's like, just say, just say you hate black women. Yeah, or you, don't, like, or you don't like them as much as white men and women. Yeah, it's just easier. It's And it's scarier because once... Because honestly, if I looked at... If I was a white man... And I don't know, maybe correct me, Grant, if I'm wrong, since you have this identity. Call but if I, was, if I was a white man and I was in the music industry and I was like, damn, we're, we've been doing pretty good when we, when we hold people back. As long as we don't have, like, you know, Sam Smith being the same category as Harry Styles, never, no one will ever know how, better, how much of a better singer Sam Smith is than Harry Styles. As long as we don't have Taylor Swift going head to head with Beyonce at the same time, no one will actually see that Beyonce is dancing while pregnant and in heels and still sings better than Taylor Swift who's standing still with the guitar. That's not even plugged in. Like, <laughs> obviously I don't like Taylor Swift. But, <laughs> but I can see that if you're looking so, for like yeah. job security. Like if you're one of the producers or whoever and, votes for the Grammys. Yeah, I could totally which, see that perspective. Which leads to this, because if once they open those floodgates, then you run into the issue of the Kobe Bryant's the LeBron James, the Serena and Venus Williams, mm. the Tiger Woods, and they don't mm. want that. Because Serena and Venus, they win every goddamn thing, right? Until Serena retired, but they were just winning, 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 winning. We don't want that. So it's like, funny because in all of those situations and leagues you just named, it is kind of like a free market system, right? It's like capitalism in a way. <laughs> and it's like, and in the situations where it's like people are voting and, and holding other people back. It's like the free market is being held back. So it's like when you actually do the thing that you say you like, which is capitalism in the free market, the, the, the best, you know, the best person wins. So it's like you don't like what you say you like. It's just the inconsistency for me. That's why they have academy voting. It's yeah. the same reason why they have electoral college. Yeah. Because they want to make sure they don't, it's not too based off statistics. Stat on that. <laughs> they got yeah, they got a red line in the music of the industry. So it is what it is. Interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know, that's a conversation topic. If people got other things they feel about it, I mean chime in. Yeah. What do you want to say to your loving, adoring fans who missed you? Uh 
to everyone who has been listening since the beginning of 2020 and just fucked with the hiatus for how long it was. Thank you for sticking around. People who are just now coming into this, uh, it will get better. And I mean that by the government, the world, society, and this damn podcast. Because, <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just now getting back on the bike. But, yeah, I, I'm ready to have some wild conversations. I have a lot to talk about. A lot more. And there's That's... nothing holding me back.